0: This. Woohoo! Here we are.
1: We're live. Woo-hoo!
2: All about hormones. Guess what? We're back. Take that song for us. Not really exciting, is it, for us? Welcome back to <laughs> episode 15 of the Demand Better podcast, where we are your consumers' guide in the health, fitness, and wellness space. I am your host, Corona, and I am joined by Dr. Bo in Superior, Colorado, as well as award-winning journalist from Detroit, W-X-Y-N-Z, Faraz Javed. What's up, up, boys? What's up? We got Faraz award-winning.
1: What's up, dog? Hey, Corona, have you won some awards that we can also reference?
2: Not like a Faraz, I'm not there. <laughs> I've been trying. Faraz, is a baller. I'm just saying. I, know. He's I know.
0: That's why I'm friends with him. The only reason. <laughs> I I wonder. I wonder if, um, if if I if I want continue to win a lot more awards. How many more friends will I get?
2: <laughs> Faraz, I'm all in. More <laughs> awards, more friendship.
0: Love it. <laughs> but what's would... going
2: on? Three weeks, guys. It's been been three weeks. What's going on? I've been away. Uh, Bo, what have you been up to? Um, yeah, we haven't announced it
1: publicly, but I'm going to give our listeners here, you guys know, obviously, but I'm going to give our listeners here a special insight. I don't think Maha's going to be too mad at me, but yeah, we have a baby on the way. So, you know, that's a special Such- exclusive for Demand Better listeners here. It's, it's going to be a- great when you
2: name the kid Corona <laughs> Javet. It's going to be great. Corona- <laughs> Faraz, Corona, whatever you want to do it, but it's gonna be nice when we're all involved.
0: Yeah, but it's it's official now. It's 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 online. So Bo, <laughs> you can't retract. I hope I hope that doesn't get me in too much trouble by by certain people.
1: Um, by c- but anyway, c-
0: certain people you mean by your misses? Shh. Shh. <laughs> we're not we're not we're not talking about that right now.
1: Anyway, moving on.
0: <laughs> Faraz, what's going on, baby? Uh. Enjoying the summer heat in Michigan,
2: how are things at your end? It's about the rain, and it is as humid as can be, and it's hot as hell, my friend. Hot as hell. You know, so? so K-
0: Corona, I don't know if you noticed something, but I, I went a little bit today more like Bo. I'm very upset. <laughs> <laughs> so we were, we we're talking about hormones today, right?
2: And before um, you start,
0: before you start. But no, but, but hear, hear, me, hear me out. We're talking about hormones today, and so that's one of the reasons why I thought I'd just grow it. Because I've, I've, I've read somewhere that having a beard means good hormones. The is ability it, to grow a beard. Okay. So And then that's, I'm hoping at some point we're going to clarify that. But
2: yes. Which corona. I can do, but I'm not doing because I look like um, Claus. All right. With well, that being said, we are sponsored by Fit Care Physiotherapy and Wellness, where the idea is to focus on your fitness so you can avoid the health care space. It's As I said, it's episode 15. Today's topic, as you guys have been already talking, it's hormones and how our hormones and habits dictate our future. So with that being said, hey, Bo, define what hormones are. <laughs>
1: What's up, Billy? Uh, we're, we're, he has already named the, the child there. Um, so we have over 50 hormones in our human bodies. Hormones are chemicals that we need to be aware of that we probably all know some version of the common, the most common ones, probably the sex hormones, testosterone and estrogen that a lot of people associate with ability to grow a beard, uh, manliness and, and estrogen being the feminine one. But it's also important. I'm going to throw in now that, you know, every man needs some estrogen and every woman needs some, uh, testosterone. Uh, too low of a level in all these things. And we've touched on all these concepts before homeostasis. We need to have the right balance in place when these things go out of whack. That's when we start to have diseases, issues or our bodies just don't work the right way. Uh, And so I'm going to cue this up. We talked about this in our pre-call that most people should be waking up hungry, horny and happy. That's a sign. Yeah. That's a sign that your hormones are in pretty good alignment. There's a lot of ways to talk about this, uh, I'm going to leave it there. If that answers,
2: hey Dr. Bo, while you're there, why don't you give us a quick disclaimer? Well, let's, let's do this pretty simple. Listen, this is for informational purposes. We are not trying to guide anybody. This is for informational purposes. If you need some very specific stuff, we suggest you go see your doctor. But with that being said, um, let's start off the conversation, my friend. Um, give me, give me I mean, where are we here talk to me about testosterone and estrogen you want to go a little deeper into that or do you want to keep it moving to well, normal I, 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 to- I think i think uh what should be clarified is what
0: what is um healthy levels of testosterone and estrogen because you know we bo we keep hearing a lot about at least i have when you know if you have too much of soy products you get uh man boobs is that true uh
1: so the research has not really found a link between those concepts. I think it's important to, again, when we talk about research and you guys can go back and check out our previous episodes about research, that A, it depends on the type of soy, right? So most soy in America specifically is poorly processed. By, I mean poorly, it's processed in a way that it's less healthy and less advantageous and might have some negative health consequences. Your question about what are healthy levels, um, the answer as usual with a lot of medical questions is it's gonna be, it depends, okay? Because it depends on where you are in life. There's normal levels. And we're gonna talk about this, I believe in our second piece. Uh, At the end of the day, getting tested is the most important thing. So it's all about the trends also, right? And it's all about the, the, the ratios of how much you have, if you have way too much of one thing versus not enough of another thing. Those are the things that are concerning. So for women, having too much estrogen can be a thing that leads to cancer, to breast cancer. It's probably one of the most common things. Uh, in terms of your question about soy, for as specifically, just eating soy can be good. I personally avoid soy. I'm actually, luckily, possibly a little allergic to soy. So if I have somebody gives me a protein shake and it has soy milk as the thing in it, I'm actually going to feel that in my throat. Uh, it it kind of I have a negative reaction to. Most soy products, especially more processed soy products. So I have a, a negative reaction. That's actually a good thing. That says to me I shouldn't put that in my body. To well, try to bring this soy- back.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm going to I'm right there. So you're basically telling us that our soy isn't really soy, correct? It depends on how you. define
1: <laughs> It depends on how you define. We're getting into semantics a little bit here, right? Um, you know, so it's not as good as a pure soy you know, product that you're pulling off of, of the, the tree or the branch or whatever, that you know, and it's less processed. So uh, again, tofu is a good example of that, that most people might know as a soy product. Um, the majority, again, of, of soy could be very unhealthy. The same applies for corn, and corn is gonna have less of a direct impact on our hormones, but I do think it's important to bring stuff like this to light, where most corn products, especially in the United States, are significantly modified and, and process in a way that they are very unnatural, more likely to have less nutrition, more likely to cause some possible negative effects on our bodies, whether that's low levels of inflammation that build up over time and might lead to disease. So there's all sorts of ways to look at that. Um, the last thing, and this goes into our second point, so coming back to Faraz's question, what are normal levels? There's a big difference between having uh, – again, being within normal range, and every lab you go to, if you've ever had blood work done, it's going to say, hey, you're within the normal range, right? But the question is, is that comparing me to 100 people from other walks of life that like, I don't want to necessarily be compared to? Is that comparing me to other 38-year-olds like myself who are very uh, active? And, and you know, again, Corona is a very healthy, active guy in his 50s, so he's going to have very different uh, metrics and be compared to very different populations. So- Testosterone, for instance, the general measure is going to be somewhere between 200 and 1,000, right? Of of the normal range. If you're on the lower range, your doctor, your endocrinologist, your general practitioner, wherever you go get tested, might say, "Hey, you have a, 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 a you're on the lower range, but you're within normal things. So like, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to put you on a, a, a t- total testosterone replacement therapy (TRT). Uh, we're not going to give you steroids. <laughs> um, and and at the same time is that optimized? So that's why in the bottom, I have surviving versus thriving. The other really good example that I think more people might be aware of if they're not as familiar with testosterone is vitamin D, which a lot of people consider, even though it's called vitamin D, a lot of people consider it a hormone because of how many impacts it has on our physiology, on our body. So if you're deficient in it, it's going to have thousands of negative effects in your body. And these are all things that until it, you know, makes you feel better, worse, that's when we get into the, the, the deepness of this. And again, I, I didn't want to rant too much, but I'm, you guys got me started on this. So vitamin D, same kind of thing as testosterone, the normal range for most labs is going to be between 30 and 100. And if you're at 31, your doctor is probably going to say like, okay, cool, you're good. If you're at 29, and it shows up red on the lab results, that might be enough of a reason for them to say, hey, let's start supplementing with some vitamin D. But the reality is, Healthy levels, optimal levels are closer in the 60s. So just because you're at 31 and you're within the normal range means you might be less likely to uh, be at a disease tomorrow and the doctor's not as concerned, the medical doctor. But I'm looking at it and I'm saying, I personally want to be in the optimal range where I know I'm going to be thriving. And again, it's just like having, you can't really have too much money, some would say. So can we have too much health? Uh, there, there is such a thing as over-focusing on health, but at the same time, I'm going to finish up my thought here is that, uh, I always want to strive for thriving, feeling the best we can and being at the optimal levels when it comes to getting all these tests done. So let me
0: ask you this, Uh, Corona, if that's okay, if I, if you, if I can just jump in. So first of all, is this, is this test a simple blood test when we go get our hormones
1: checked? Um, yes.
0: Okay. So, it can be you can do more extensive
1: testing. That's why I kind of paused yeah. and hesitated, but for the most part, yes. And okay. again, there's, yeah. there's like I said, there's over 50 hormones. So, if we tested every single one and we started putting the pieces together on how they all connect, and this is what functional medicine doctors will spend their time on, and that's why they charge more money because they're going in and saying, Hey, we can optimize this uh, the way your sex globulin binding hormone. Is compared to your progesterone, compared to your estrogen, compared to your testosterone. Like they start putting all those pieces together versus just saying, okay, we did this basic panel to see again if you're generally going to not die in the next you know few months or you're not likely to be uh, leading towards a very significant disease. So there's there's kind of the big picture, and we have to factor in like we're not going to do fifty tests on every single human. Um, so yes, for the most part, it but should just take, be a let's... basic panel.
0: For a second, let's just stick with conventional medicine, only because I feel like that's, for the most part, most average folk, most regular folks out there will have access to conventional medicine, and that's where they'll probably get it tested. So once they get their blood work done and they get these, you know, these um, normal ranges in, what happens when, so, so let's just say, okay, let, let's, let's put it this way. But what's the normal range for testosterone and estrogen? Do you know at the, at the top of your head right now?
1: So I said on testosterone specifically,
0: the 200 normal- to a thousand? 200 to 1,000? 200 to 1,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say if someone is 201, do yep. they need to be concerned? And also let's flip it on the other side. Let's say if someone is 999. So they're still in the normal range, but just they're waiting to just tip over.
1: <laughs> um, right. And so when it comes to the top end, the concerns can be, again, like it's the concept of homeostasis that Corona was talking about uh, in our previous episodes that the body wants to be in balance. It is possible to have too much of a good thing. So, uh, you know, again, people who take exogenous testosterone, meaning steroids, you see some bodybuilders and uh, things like that, that where, again, it can lead to a further imbalance of other things going on. So it's, we have to start talking about what's the negative effect long-term. So on the top level and what the term that's used there is, it's super physiological. So it's kind of like, it's not likely that any normal human is gonna produce over a thousand units of testosterone. Um, So again, it can be concerning there. Uh, If you're at 201, um, the, the, the concern there is again, A, your test shows a low number. This is where the deeper conversation comes in similar to an MRI. And we've talked about this, I believe also on, on this show. And I know I talk about it all the time in my social media and, and and with clients is if you get an MRI and it shows you have disc herniations, that doesn't necessarily mean we have to treat the disc herniation. We still have to treat you as a human. So if you have 201 on testosterone, but you feel great, maybe we don't have to do any like real major medication just yet. However, we should always, again, think about optimizing. So optimizing, I'm, I'm going to say again, similar, we want to be somewhere in that middle of that range, maybe 600, 700. So we gotta figure out how we can get those low numbers, even though they're in the normal range, to get a little more optimized. So at the end of the day, um, for me, when someone is in that range, and I think to your question, it comes back to, A, what are the signs and symptoms that they're dealing with? Is it lethargy? Are they just addicted to caffeine? Can we really look at what's going on day to day? Again, we should be waking up hungry, horny, and happy. Is their sex drive low? Are they having erectile dysfunction? Is their sperm count a problem? They want to have a kid at some point. You know, there's all these conversations and things that we need to go down the rabbit hole on. So um, I'm, I'm going to stop there if that kind of answered yeah. <laughs> the question.
2: Well, with that, well, since we're right there, why don't we discuss how how age impacts your hormones? And, okay. and, and, um, tie,
0: and tied to that also, how often should one test?
2: That's a great question.
0: Uh, I'll start with Faraz's question. <laughs> it's
1: a little bit easier to get to. Um, and it, it, it kind of ties into Corona's question because how often you should test can kind of relate to your age because as we get older, uh, it is more common to have more issues and more imbalances with our uh, hormones. The answer also depends on how often we should get tested is how much are we really going to make a change? So if you just want to check that everything's okay, you don't necessarily need to do that. So it becomes more about peace of mind. If you're concerned because of a family history, again, my father died of a heart attack at 41. So I'm 38. I'm probably going to want to be doing more testing leading up to me being 41. There are specific tests we can be doing about heart health that I probably want to really be paying attention to because I'm predisposed to those concerns. If you have cancer in your family, these are things we want to start addressing Uh, as much as possible. But again, it has to kind of be feasible. Uh, We don't want it to break the bank, so to speak. There are cheaper ways to do this testing. Uh, We'd never want to do this stuff on your own. So again, this is, uh, you know, the listener is really going to have to determine that on their own. Um, As we get older, as we have more concerns, as we have more risks, that's when you should be kind of doing more testing. Um, As a general healthy person, if you want to keep optimizing your levels, Honestly, like if if money was not an issue, I would be doing testing every three months, probably, just to see where all my levels are at. But money is an issue. So at the minimum, I would say I would want to do testing maybe once a year, like an annual checkup, the same way I I advocate through my company, FitCare Physiotherapy, uh, for an annual movement screen, because movement's not going to change as much. But if we have aches, pains, and we're very active, you're going to have some things going on, just like as we have more stress. As we allow things and we want to see trends, the more data points we can have, the more action we can take. So I don't know if I answered both of your questions. Um, oh, aging, just aging in
2: general, Corona? Aging in general. I mean, the, listen, as you said earlier, I'm 50 years of age. There's, I know most of the guys that I know that are 50 years of age that are corporate guys, they're not in good shape. They're just not. So we're not in the same thing. Like when I look at myself as, as, as a 50-year-old, I don't look at other 50-year-olds. That's not what I'm looking at. I'm trying stay as young and as, as as nimble as possible. That's not the case in everybody else. So let's discuss how aging affects hormone levels in, in this sense and how, we, w- let's answer that first, and then we'll, we'll move yeah. on from there.
1: Yeah, um, and I, I I just want to use the word virile because it's a good word. Um, <laughs> as you get older, you want to feel more virile. Um, the other thing, I, I, I the last thought I want to give to Faraz's question, and it kind of, again, these these two are overlapping in some ways is, I want to emphasize the fact that are you willing to make changes? So again, if you're going to get the testing done, you're just going to see that your levels are getting worse and worse or changing somewhat. If you're not willing to make change based on that, then there's almost no point to do the testing. Um, So I think that's an important and, and could be a much bigger conversation. To your point, Corona, the, the very simple theory of aging, and I think we touched on this in our aging episode a few episodes ago, what is the simple theory on aging is it's nothing more than accumulated damage every single day. So if you're driving your car with the emergency brake on, right, you're, or or with the wheels misaligned, the more you drive it, the more damage that is happening to all the little aspects of the car and grinding and, and things that are going to break down. The same thing to aging is... If we're doing all of the right things, if we're eating all the right things, we're exercising the right amount, we're you know being meditative, uh, we're we're being mindful, we're doing, we're connecting with loved ones and, and friends and family. If you're doing all the right things, then your aging is going to be slowed down. The what we think of as aging, yeah, and it shouldn't affect your hormones. And again, I know plenty of folks who started moving into the right path at the age of fifty. And their hormones is a great indicator. It's a great correlate to their overall health, and their hormones got better and better and better. And there's many ways and theories of aging that we can look at that are actually going to improve. So it's not just about aging as uh, the the biological age. it's the chrono- so the biological and the chronological, right? So it's just how much time is passing. So we can keep getting better and better as humans. You know, my little tagline on social media is get one percent better every day one of the other ones. So that's the thing we can get better as we go. If you're doing the things and you're kind of making more health money and we're putting more into our retirement savings account of physical health. So you can be getting better as you age. What happens to most people as we age is that accumulated damage. And so hormones get more out of balance. And when they're out of balance too much, right again, too much estrogen generally in women is going to lead to a cancer,
2: too much estrogen in men. Let me let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. Let's discuss, since so we're all men on this thing, on this pod right now, let's discuss men and women and the differences in aging. Look, like women's bodies change all the time. You know, mm-hmm. every month of a woman's body changes. So let's discuss, you know, I'm in my 50s. A lot of women in the 50s are going through menopause or have gone through menopause or are in the process of getting there pre menopausal. Let's talk about, I don't, not without getting too deep. Let's discuss the differences in aging from male to female. And, and while you're at it, Beau, that's right,
0: While you're at it, Bo, also let's also highlight how important of a role hormones play in the fitness side of things.
1: Uh, so we're going to talk about exercise as our fifth one for us. If you didn't see the outline, oh, so I missed that do, one. Do, you, then. do your homework. <laughs> do your homework there. Um, <laughs> To, we're going to go to food, and then resistance training is, is is the focus we're going on. So we will touch on that for sure. Um, to Corona's point, the difference between the two primary genders, and again, I want to be respectful also of the you know bin- non-binary and, and and these kinds of situations and people uh, in in those situations. But we're going to come back to the biological again concept of men and women, um, and again, just just the that assignment of gender uh versus sex so again i don't want to be disrespectful of any of that situation but we're going to make it really simple to male female males are much easier (laughs) sort of uh and less complicated in my estimation uh of not being an endocrinologist but when we're talking about you know the simpler concepts we are meant to be again virile is a word i use and and we look at our genetics and what we are And how that connects to our health we are meant to you know uh to to spread our seed as the term goes and that is just what our genetics are built for so we should be keeping our testosterone high and be able to uh father a child for a very long time it's when you become infertile that you are no longer necessarily biologically healthy so that's the male side the female side uh, is, again, a, a woman who's able to have a child. You know, as soon as they have a period uh, in their uh, adolescence, uh, they become a hormone monster, as, as the great show Big Mouth has done a great job of highlighting. Um, so, the, you know, there's the monthly cycles, and it all relates to, again, having a child and, and uh, you know, populating this earth. And so females... And, when, and, and you see this stuff, too, by the way, when, when women go on the pill which messes up their hormone cycles, there's really negative long-term health consequences outside of just not getting pregnant for the time they're on the pill. There's really negative health consequences to women who go on the pill. So there's a lot more there. Um, you, you mentioned that menopause piece, right? So again, that's kind of the body saying, hey, I'm no longer fertile. Um, and, and the hormones are just saying, you know, it's time for us to kind of shut it down. And that is kind of the, the next phase of life, um, in some regard. And again, I'm overgeneralizing a lot of things and these are all complicated topics. So I just want to continue to throw those disclaimers out there, but for women, because of the monthly cycles, uh, because of that, and then going into menopause, it really has significantly, it just has a significant effect on all those levels of testosterone, estrogen, and in terms of how you feel overall in your energy, in your health, in your uh, just overall biology. So I feel like I'm kind of dancing around way too many things with that because I'm trying to not be too specific. So let me,
2: let me move you on a little bit because I, I think we're just trying to be a little bit, give people information here. You mm-hmm. don't need to go down all down that road. And I think you gave a lot of good information. So let's move this on to diet and how diet can affect our hormones as we go old, as we get older. Um, th- does it matter if I, if if Faraz and I are eating both you know whatever cream we're having cream soda, beers, hot dogs, hamburgers, does it matter or do I or do I need to eat do I need to eat vegetables the rest of my life? Talk to me.
1: Yeah, so it 100% matters. <laughs> I think every single meal we have and put every single thing we put into our body is going to have an effect on our testosterone. So Uh, The going all the way back to our first point of what our hormones, uh, the the really overly simplistic, again, theory that I wanted to to set this entire conversation up with is some people theorize. And if we really look at our bodies, we are nothing more than a bunch of chemicals. And if you inject me with some adrenaline, I'm going to be all amped up and and I'm going to be a very different person. If you inject me with some dopamine or or heroin or something like that, something that's going to really bring me down. Um, it, it, it might negatively it's going to affect my being, but also my hormones. Because so to your point about food, every single thing we eat certainly does start to add up. But again, we don't see this, we might not see this for 20, 30 years because these are slow changes that we're making. Insulin is a hormone uh, that does have effects on our many other processes in our body. So when you're spiking insulin too much, Uh, again, like any other hormone in the body, we might run out of the ability to make it, which is what diabetes is, one of the most prevalent diseases that we see in the modern world, Uh, a disease of abundance, if you will. Um, Yeah, so the other interesting things here is, again, when you see people go vegan or vegetarian, um, and Faraz is uh, somewhat, if you can talk more to this, I know you're halal, so you're not 100% vegan or vegetarian, right, but you are uh, you you are eating less uh, cow-based things, right? So you have less. You have no red meat unless it's halal, correct?
0: C- correct. Along as long as it's halal or kosher.
1: Halal or kosher, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um So along those lines, and we've talked about this. I've known foras for a long time, and uh, helped him on his fitness journey in many ways. And he's always asking me those questions, like, what can I do? Because this is my religious belief, but I still want to have like optimal health. So you know, w- what can I do where red meat uh, tends to be one of the best ways to optimize our hormones. It's something that again, you get into these arguments with vegans, vegetarians, it becomes more philosophical and and maybe even like to the level of religion um, where, or politics, but it becomes, let's look at the actual test results uh, and the biology and the effects that that has on us. So by being deficient in B12, by being deficient in folate, you can do a vegan vegetarian diet, where you're supplementing with the right stuff versus if you just eat red meat the right amount the right quality you can optimize your hormones and it's something that again at the end of the day this is the argument that i stand by for sure that we've been eating meat for millennia for pretty much as long as we've existed as human beings so to not eat red meat certainly deprives us of certain things the last thing I'll, i'll add to this corona that might exemplify and answer the the question here is the concept of oysters being an aphrodisiac. So, oysters are actually one of the most nutrient-rich foods. They have a lot of really cool stuff. Like zinc is one of the ones that we tend to be deficient in. All right, and when I th- I think the theory is why they call it an aphrodisiac. It's not that you eat the oyster and your sex drive is. It's not something that it's like sparking your actual arousal. There's nothing really sexy about slurping down an oyster and some horseradish, um, but. I believe the reason that it got that reputation is because we tend to be so deficient in those micronutrients, those minerals, the zinc and things like that, that as soon as you have an oyster or a few oysters, you're actually like enriching your body. Your body's like, I haven't had this amazing fuel in so long. And it it wakes up, including the blood supply to all your sexual organs. And so it's, it's, just by including things like oysters, organ meats, and I'm a huge fan of liver and heart, I had some liver the other night, just by including some of those things, you are actually waking up a lot of these concepts. So um, bottom line is, yeah, I think that every meal we eat and being deficient in any of these micronutrients, especially vitamins, minerals, um, that is going to negatively affect our hormones. And again, take us out of Homeostasis.
2: Well, well, I think this goes back to the original. We did this in another podcast is that food is fuel for us. That that's something that we should actually think about. Now, I want to we got Hank Berger wanted me to reach out to you because he wants there's confusion, he says, between virility and strength as we age. So, yes, go right ahead. Answer for Hank's question, my friend.
1: <laughs> we do lose strength and power, as he kind of alluded to, as we age. And Hank, uh, for those of you who don't know, is one of the best uh, CrossFit Masters athletes. I believe he's at least in his 60s now. Um, and hey, you can thanks check for out, listening, buddy. Yeah, and you could check out his uh, his Instagram or any of his social media and see a very, very strong and and healthy human being. Um, and so, yeah, Hank, is, and he's in the CrossFit space, so you know, we did our Corona Hates CrossFit episode. Um, and I, <laughs> I, I might have changed his mind a little bit, and Hank might be able to, to tap in there, but... So, the concept of uh, aging and strength and virility, yeah, we can define what virility versus strength are. Um, and, and again, it is the ability to procreate, is really the, that like act, uh, the ability to, to measure health. So, could we skip and actually, to, to Faraz's question, could we skip tracking all these hormones and just test your sperm count and like see if you're, if you're able to produce a child, then theoretically, you are still healthy. Uh, you know, but then we can obviously adding it in all these other tests is going to give us more data and more ability to say, well, you are trending in these ways. And again, uh, even though you might be able to produce a child today, like you're kind of on the verge of, and to your point, for as of those edges, like your testosterone might be at 201. So maybe, you know, you might go down to 199 next week, and that magic 200 is, is going to throw us off. So, we do also lose muscle mass as we age, right? That there is a concept of sarcopenia. So and this is why as we age, the most, one of the most common uh, causes of death is falling and breaking a hip. And then we be, and a lot of these correlates are not having enough leg strength, not being able to get up and down off the ground. Um, and, and again, there's osteoporosis, osteopenia, uh, these kind of concepts that our bones are w- uh, withering away. And a lot of that has to do with we're no longer providing the stimulus of being a, a young person. We stop doing those things. So when it comes to aging, and I think a little bit of Hank's question, I know I'm kind of feel like I'm dancing around a little bit of a direct answer. But this is one of my favorite quotes is, do we age because we stop dancing and playing? Or do we stop dancing and playing because we age? Well, so I don't know.
2: <laughs> too, too, I think- too
1: ambiguous, too theoretical. I don't know.
2: Well, when you stop using something, you normally lose it. Right. So that
1: that's the, that's the easy thing is if you don't use it, you lose it. And this is also yeah. why, again, uh, oh, <laughs> Hank just said he's kind of in between Olympic lifting right now. Uh, <laughs> so he's, he's not as quick to respond. I think he's uh, hitting us up between sets here. So um, but yeah, if Good you don't man. use it, you'll lose it is, is the concept there. And exactly that is, is, you know, if you're not activating these muscles, you can't expect, you know, if, if you're not strengthening and creating a stimulus to build more wealth physical wealth, again, muscle mass, then yeah, you, we're just, we're, we are slowly deteriorating. We have uh, programmed cell death that happens, but there are ways to fight this. And again, a lot of people make this assumption, Oh, I just turned 40 or, you know, a lot of my cohort, uh, are like saying, I'm, I just turned 40. All everyone's getting surgeries. Everyone's got back pain. Like there's the jokes. And the, the, the commiserating and, and then you but you start to have those conversations of like, well, what is your lifestyle? What things are you doing to fight against that? Again, it's well, my number one my number one passion is to feel healthier, younger, uh, you know, not just five years from now, not, t- but like 20 years from now, 30 years from now. So that's my kind of passion and why I love talking about these topics. I,
2: I think Faraz has a question. Go ahead, Faraz. I wanted to ask is so hormones like so. So,
0: you know, like a couple of, couple of weeks ago, we did this uh, episode on sleeping, right? And, um, you, you know, when you don't have enough sleep, you are there's an instant reaction and you are tired with hormones. Is it the same thing where, for example, is it changing? Is it fluctuating on a daily basis? And if it is. Oh, you know, having that piece of steak, can that be an instant fix?
1: Uh, I'm not sure I fully understand your question, but just to, to the concept, I, I think it's important to understand, again, having a long term view is vital, um, having the steak or the oysters that we're talking about is built, putting that vitamin in is necessary. And then it's about also, can you, can your body absorb it? Um, and actually Hank just chimed in that he's on the carnivore diet 65 years old. I knew he was in his sixties. Um, he also mentioned that he does five days a week of training and he's noticed that strength and cardio diminish every five years. And again, Hank's been competing in CrossFit. So I think he has very clear numbers. Uh, to Hank's point real quick, uh, and to address that five days of training, I do think that there's many ways uh, to do a little bit less sometimes and just have different concepts of training that are going to actually give us a little bit more length of of health uh, or strength or cardio. But, yeah, there is natural diminishing that happens that, again, you can only battle so much. So it's important to save as much of that and bank as much of that. So, again, I'm 38 the next uh you know i hope in 30 years to be anywhere near how healthy hank is but my point is right now i'm thinking like i need to be banking that as much as possible so jumping off of that to for raz's question of if you're having these fluctuations in hormones which absolutely happen all the time um especially we're talking a little bit more for men i think it, it, to, to corona's question of uh, the differences between the the sexes is uh Obviously, this also applies for women, but at the end of the day, if you're fueling your car the wrong way, if you don't have enough gas in your car, it's not going to run the right way. So the more healthy stuff we can put in there, that I think is kind of your question, right? So having that one steak is going to give you a little bit of that boost, um, and it's again, but it's, it's addressing that underlying cause, but we need to have a consistent level foundation of that health. So if we but don't have you- enough vitamin D, if we yeah. don't have enough testosterone, like all these systems go off.
0: But can you see an instant reaction? Like, for example, I have a stage. Yeah, like
1: again, the oysters is the is the ultimate example of that because people might be like rock bottom with their zinc because it just it's hard to get zinc unless you're supplementing it, Uh, and you it's most of the American diet does not include anything with zinc. So then, getting the oyster again, it gives you that boom instant like oh wow! Like again, it it might literally take you from like not you know whatever we want to call it like being seventy percent of uh, sexually like you know optimized. And having that oyster might have it to your question enough of a instant response. It might, but again, you're going to use up that zinc if the zinc is the one mineral. And again, this is where it's hard to know. Is it the one mineral? Is it multiple minerals? But, so well, let, yeah,
2: let, let's stop there because we're talking about zinc. We're talking about all these minerals. We're, we're not suggesting you go to the GNC and just start buying zinc. You should go get tested. Correct?
1: Yeah. So everything always goes back to get assessed Um, really have a plan in place and have someone, again, who can guide you through, did this make a change? So, again, I have oysters, something happened, like (laughs) – or I had a steak. Uh, And, again, Hank's on the carnivore diet. I would love to, you know, have Hank on here and talk about uh, his experience on the carnivore diet because that, for anyone not familiar, it's basically saying uh, plants are evil. (laughs) I'm not going to eat plants. (laughs) And and they're trying to kill us is one of the the actual uh, claims there. I think it's a little extreme – But again, if it works for Hank, if it's making him feel better, uh, those are all things worth considering. And the other place where carnivore diet is very interesting is, uh, and and we talk about this to answer your question, Corona, is is this N equals one. So again, for me to say like the carnivore diet might not be the thing that makes the most sense on on, on paper. But again, if it's working for Hank, great. If he feels better, great. Again, vegan, vegetarian, uh, most people who start those diets are going from a standard American diet, sad, um, to eating more vegetables and less processed stuff so they tend to feel better but again some of them are going to break down six months from now based on where all those hormones are some of them are going to break down five years from now and have these deficiencies that have been building and now it shows up as you know some kind of disease or digestive problem or whatever it is so i do think it's important to come back to n equals one you have to test yourself we can talk about the theory of the carnivore diet the keto diet vegan diet halal, uh, kosher. But at the end of the day, yes, get tested always the most important and then have a plan in place. So that goes back to Faraz's question. How often should we get tested? It really depends on what your plan is as a 38 year old. Um, I have a kid on the way. Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. we, I expect things to be changing (laughs) my hormones. You know, there's a lot of interesting stuff, just when you find out you're pregnant, you, you know, again, we talk about progesterone levels. These things change because you want to be more caregiving. You're, you're not going, again, to our primal ancestry of hunting, gathering. I need to protect my family. Now you're like, I have to help care for this child. Well, so uh, Hank actually just chimed in that he's having his blood uh, taken after 70 days and check his lipids against prior health non-carnivore two weeks ago. So, well, again, Hank- that's awesome. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, Hank needs to join us. All right, Hank, you hear me? You can join all us. All in. Welcome, all in. With that being said, let's let's keep it moving here. Let's go into the to as you're discussing, you know, having becoming a father. How about the lifestyle changes that we go through that will affect our hormone levels? Just and you just started on it with with caregiving. So why don't we go with that? Um,
0: because with caregiving, there's also stress involved as well, and that stress. plays a role.
1: Right, and so sleep. Sleep is something I'm surprised somehow we have not even mentioned once at uh, 40 minutes into this episode. Sleep is I definitely did. one of the. I did. When when what would you say?
0: I said sleep. I you said you- the word. You <laughs> said <laughs> the <laughs> word. I used the words. <laughs> I used the word sleep. I said. Just like in last few uh, weeks ago, we did an episode on sleep. So he did, you know,
1: he did, he actually did. So you said the word, but we haven't really used it in the context here. And the, fa- the that's fact your that job—you're you're supposed to bring it in. <laughs> I'm, I'm the expert here. You guys have to like help flow the thing. That's your anyway. I'm, I'm so, trying. So, <laughs> so H- Hank, thanks for bearing with us here and chiming in. But um, so yeah, no, we haven't really talked about sleep and how it affects hormones specifically. Uh, that's, that's the part I'm surprised about. And so sleep is one of the most important ways to regulate hormones. There's actually amazing studies, science books about why do we sleep? Um, and again, most people, most doctors, most scientists don't really have a clear answer, definitive answer. And one of the best answers we do have is that sleep helps regulate your hormones, get you back into and allow yourself. Uh, Hank does want to join. I don't know that we actually can get you on right now, Hank. Um, I don't know if you have my number, Hank, uh, or you can hit me up on Facebook. I might be able to link you in there. Yeah, actually, I should be able to send you that link right now. Uh, I'll send you a link, Hank, and if you can jump in, or you're on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll, oh no, you're on Facebook. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send Hank a thing. Sorry for let's, for let's taking wait a let's, second let's, here,
2: guys. All
1: right. let's get, we Hank get through live stories to,
2: Tell Hank to give us about like seven to eight minutes, and we'll link it
1: back I'm, to uh, Hank. I, Hank, I just sent you the, the link, so if you're watching uh, on Facebook, there. Uh, Facebook Messenger. You should be able to join. Just click that link. Uh, I think you need Google Chrome to jump in. Anyway, uh, while Hank might be figuring out all those technical funds, uh, so sleep again to uh, to finish that point is uh, it is the number one lifestyle factor. I would say that if you're you're trying to prioritize and optimize your health from hormones, if you sleep deep enough and long enough, and this is why LeBron James has been like rumored to sleep 12 hours a night. It's because you release. Human growth hormone. It is our ability to rebuild. You are releasing natural steroids, yep. so the things that people go and they take exogenously and they pay money for and mess up their entire natural flow. Uh, so I'm all I'm all for the natural ways to improve your health, your hormones, your well-being. Um, so, lifestyle factors. Again, uh, one thing we didn't mention, and, and I, I didn't want to go too down too deep down another rabbit hole is the concept of phytoestrogens, which are things that mimic estrogen and and end up making you create more estrogen. Again, most of us have probably heard of like BPA-free water bottles. So that yeah. BPA right. is a chemical that was in the water bottle, especially if you'd leave it out in the sun, it would melt, it would leach into the water, then you drink it and that your body is saying, "Oh, like I need to produce more estrogen." It just triggered that chemical response. And so these are things in our lifestyle that we can be doing to eliminate and and make sure we're not drifting too far into the negative overproduction of estrogen, let's say, um, to your original question about soy, we don't know that there's necessarily a direct link between soy. Uh, there's no research to to say that that's exactly what's happened. So there's no uh, direct thing to say soy is creating a higher spike in estrogen. However, uh, there are things we can do to mitigate what might be improving testosterone. So that's our
2: fifth one, by the way, in terms of lifestyle. Go ahead. Well, the fifth one is what we're going to roll into anyways, which is working out. OK, that's why I was going to go gonna be jumping in in a minute, you know, because well, he's going to talk we're waiting about for Hank.
0: But we can't wait for Hank forever. <laughs> so I don't know what Hank's doing. Well, while we're waiting uh, and Corona, maybe you can answer this. If people have questions, what can they do?
2: Oh, they can they can DM us right out live here at, at here or they can go onto YouTube. Um, you can DM us on any one of our pages. You can go to the Demand Better podcast page on Instagram. We have a Demand Better podcast on LinkedIn also, which we're working on. And you can contact Bo directly. You can contact Faraz directly. It's Faraz Javed. Uh, Bo, you are you have a new one, right? It's at it's still at. Give me your give me your call sign. On what? Doctor Doctor Bo, right? Doctor Bo knows. Is that you changed yours? Bo knows health. Bo knows health. My, That's my, my other changed. podcast. Bo knows I'm, health. I'm start living today, or David Corona, whatever you choose.
0: And and we're also open to topic suggestions as well. Absolutely. Always.
2: Absolutely. Always. Absolutely. But well, let's talk about working out um, and, and how that affects our hormones. So that's,
1: that's the, again, um, so I'll share my own anecdote here. I was competing in CrossFit, I was, uh, and this is the thing too, when it comes to exercise, as we talk in general, people who do cardio, uh, people who do CrossFit high intensity stuff, which is very popular. Um, it's important to understand that exercise is a stressor. It stresses our body. It affects our hormones in some good ways, some bad ways. Um, again, there's the runner's high. So when you're running, you feel, cause again, you're getting chased, right? That's the concept, no matter how, what the level of intensity is, but there's this release of hormones that, uh, or neurotransmitters, if we want to be overly technical, that makes us feel better and feel good about what's happening. So it keeps us going. Um, I think Hank is just going to listen, and he's not going to join us. That's okay. Um, and so, coming back to this concept of exercise, it's important to understand that. And what I also see is a lot of these folks who are very stressed out, relying on. Uh, he can't get the link to open. Sorry, Hank. Uh, we'll, we'll we can plan this next time. We can get you on here. We can interview you. That's all good. I can get you on my podcast. There's many options, Hank. We'll talk soon. Hank you're um, coming back
2: to demand better. Don't you worry <laughs> about it.
1: And Hank Hank's out in Long Island, and uh, you know maybe maybe he'll come hang out with you Corona. I wish uh, I can go and enjoy some, some New York city pizza anyway, but that's, that's, that's beside the point. Um, so coming back to that whole concept of exercise, it's important to understand how does that fit into our bucket of stress? So a uh, cardio steady state cardio can actually, again, deplete our testosterone and things like that, because it is just, uh, it's a wasting away muscle, And this is another term I've used many times. And I'm going to hat tip to Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, L-Y-O-N, also in Midtown, New York, uh, where she used to be, at least. Um, Oh, Hank moved to South Carolina in November. I didn't know that. I missed that on his uh, social medias, but I'm glad to hear that. Um, So anyway, the uh, concept of Dr. Gabrielle Lyon Lyon, uh, is muscle is the organ of longevity and muscle we tend to focus on the wrong thing. So again, when we talk about and again, I'm going to give her a lot of credit uh, to this concept is when we talk about somebody being unhealthy, right? What do we say? They're overweight. So just because you weigh more than you should does not mean you are unhealthy. Again, a lot of professional football players, uh, BMI, their height versus their weight uh, might be significantly off by the chart, but they're probably some of the healthiest folks or uh, in, in a lot of ways. Right. And, um, there's, and the actual body fat percentage might be below 5% uh, when, you, when you look at some of these bodies. So when we say overweight, that's A, not the most accurate thing because weight is not really the issue. A lot of times it's fat, right? So we have over fat. We're over adipose tissue. We have too much fat stored on us. And sometimes that can be from too much estrogen-type things like soy, if that does end up coming out scientifically. And we grow the man boobs and things like that. Um, so that can be the thing. But again, she to bring it back to this training concept is we are under muscled because, again, muscle is an expensive organ. And again, I want to acknowledge that it's a this is all a very big uh, conversation of privilege because it is a privileged thing to be able to say we want to focus on building more muscle and have the ability to do that. But if we can focus on building more muscle, uh, as as our friend Hank here is talking about uh, as at sixty five right? That muscle is going to help regulate our hormones. It's going to decrease our fat because the body needs the fat now. And it's going to burn the fat to use and feed the muscle because we need to keep creating the stimulus of more muscle, more resistance training. So the number one thing to boost testosterone, and I didn't even tell my story of my own personal thing. I'm happy to if you guys want, but, uh, what the, the whole thing to build muscle is create a strong stimulus. So your body, if you, if right now I just stand here and I brace and I, flex as hard as I can. That alone is creating a stimulus. And I'm sure uh, my wife and my, our landlady are, are right next door and they're like, what the hell's happening in there? Um, and anyone listening is probably wondering the same thing.
0: People are wondering the same thing too. So <laughs> the, the, the point
1: of that is that even just the stress of what I just did and the bearing down is creating a stimulus to my body. It's an imposed demand. And one of the basic concepts in strength and conditioning is specific adaptations to impose demands, the said principle, S-A-I-D, which is why if you lift 10 pounds over and over again and do bicep curls with 10 pounds for six months, your body's going to adapt to that very quickly. It's going to be very efficient at that, but it's never really going to change much. Uh, It's really the, the concept is we need to now make it so that you're lifting at your limits. Right. And there is such a thing as doing too much for a lot of my clients. The healthy, safe, longevity way to lift is working at about 80 percent, an eight out of 10 rate of perceived exertion, RPE. Um, And there's a lot of ways we can go into that. But anyway, the resistance training is still, in my opinion, the best way to regulate your hormones when you're, you're doing it correctly. And that's where I would I would challenge Hank. And again, I think he's obviously 65. He's, you know, go on his stuff. He's he's been doing amazing stuff. Uh, But there might be a way we can tweak his programming and the stimulus he's providing to his body to maybe say, hey, uh, can we do a little bit more? Can we do a little bit less to keep you moving in the right direction and make sure you're not losing a little bit every five years? There is a natural degradation that we do have to acknowledge, but we got to fight it the best we can. So maybe he's doing everything perfectly, uh, but maybe there's some little things we can tweak and say, hey, maybe when you're lifting 90 percent three times out of those five days, that might be too much. Maybe we only need to do that one day a week so that we can understand where the hormones come. And that's where, again, if you're doing these things and Hank is doing the right thing, he got tested before he started, he tested his hormones before he started a new diet, the carnivore diet, which is pretty extreme. Uh, He's specifically focusing on his lipids because that is one of the most risky parts of the carnivore diet. It can cause too much cholesterol. Um, And so again, there's a lot more in there, (laughs) but, and I'd be curious if he's getting his his hormones tested,
0: but I'm going to stop there. But Bo, you mentioned about how to improve your hormone levels by lifting weights, but Mm -hmm let's say if your hormones are off balance or the, or sorry, the imbalanced, then do you, is that also performing? Is that affecting your performance in the gym? Like, are you not being, are you not able to lift more? Are you feeling lethargic? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Sounds like he's part of a heavy metal band there. That's, what he
0: looks like. I, I, I was getting so confused. Is that like, is yeah. that hormones kicking in right there? Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, no, I, I, that's an emphatic. Yes. Um, okay. I'm, I'm nodding my head up and down. Yes. For anyone listening um, mm-hmm. and can't see me, but, so yeah, hormones being out of whack. And again, that's the thing, there's so many hormones, there's so many different uh, reactions between them. At the end of the day, yes, if you're feeling more lethargic than usual, 100%, your hormones are probably off. Um, And then again, doing the right type of stimulus and not abusing that uh, is what's going to build up your energy level so you feel more alive. And again, a lot of times with people, whether it's uh, to our fourth point about food, you start eliminating some of these things that are draining you causing inflammation theoretically and throwing off your hormones um this is why it's important if you're getting you know again any animal product you do want to look for you know uh they literally say no hormones given to these animals uh you know hormone free uh because if there's hormones in the food you eat that might be affecting your hormones uh you know so so those are all very important things to start looking at and thinking about um, and especially if you're doing that multiple meals throughout the week, it's just really going to add up and cause toxicity or imbalances within your own body. I'll tell does, my story really quick. Go ahead.
0: Does hydration affect hormone levels as well? Cause a lot Sorry. of folks don't drink water. So does hydration level affect water, affect water, affect the hormone levels? Uh, less, less directly. There could be things in the water
1: that might affect it. Um, you know, there's the Alex Jones, uh, the, the water's turning, the frog's gay. That's a whole thing that we're not going to talk about right now. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, in general, coming back to our, our homeostasis concept is if you have a healthy system, if you have a clean car, the wheels are in alignment, the brake pad is, is healthy, the emergency brake is not on, hydration is part of that whole equation of health. So if you have a healthy body that's producing hormones and able to function well, 100%. If you don't have enough fluids in your body and your body's struggling for that, uh, again, that's going to throw off the natural production of insulin, testosterone, estrogen, all these different things. Um, real quick, uh, just hang through. in another bit. We're going to keep, and guys, jump in here if you want. Everything both said is crucial to the end result. Sleep seven, eight hours. Meditate daily, 10, 20 minutes. Exercise strength and cardio, 45 days. Diet per your body chemistry and stress. If high emotional- Hank, you have to mood. make a uh, visit.
2: <laughs> just make the visit, Okay. We yes, we'll, the we'll get them on
1: here. And uh, Masters well, athletes are, are really interesting to see, uh, you know, and again, understand how physiology plays into that. So that, very interesting stuff there. What are you going to say, Corona?
2: Well, let's put, let's put a bow on this. Hey. Let's put a bow on bow. Hey. 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 So we, got, we got basically four things that I've taken away. So why don't we start with number one bow with your numbers? Give us a quick bow on it.
1: So what are hormones? Uh, again, we have over 50 different ones in our bodies. Vitamin D is one, insulin, testosterone, estrogen, and they all have to kind of work together. If we have too much of one, not enough of one, we're gonna talk about that in homeostasis, but it's important to understand what our hormones, um, uh, and and Hank said, thank you, corona. Um, So uh, that's number one, what are hormones, understanding what they are, getting them tested, that kind of ties into number two here, is surviving versus thriving. Um, And so when you're getting tested, It's not enough to the simple testosterone example that uh, Faraz brought up. If the normal range is 200 to 1,000, if we're at 201, you're technically in a good range and you're not abnormal, but you're at a very low point of that range. So it's important to understand those differences and speak to somebody who can say, what is the optimal range we want to shoot for and how do we get there, whether it is with numbers four or five, food, resistance, training, lifestyle, all these things that Hank just talked about as well, sleep, uh, is another huge one homeostasis again is that number three homeostasis is that balancing act of having too much testosterone and then the estrogen and this is what happens with a lot of people when they actually uh you know we saw this in dubai faraz we don't need to call out any names specifically but a lot of people in dubai would take steroids because they wanted to look good and not do all the hard work that you kind of needed um people accuse me of being on steroids just because i was like in decent shape. I wouldn't ever say like I even had, I never even had like a six pack, uh, just because I love food too much. But, um, at the end of the day, eh, there's always a little nice layer of stuff. When you take steroids, you don't have (laughs) any, you don't have, you don't have any like fat on your belly really if you're doing the right stuff. But what the point I'm bringing up about that is when you put testosterone and you don't have the right guidance, your estrogen can also come up because your body's just going to create this whole situation So a lot of things that happen there when we're talking about homeostasis is, one, your estrogen goes up too much, and that's when people on those situations get man boobs and get uh, other negative effects. So a lot of times, the really easy thing, and I'm not telling anyone to go out and put testosterone, well, you really inject it in your tush, Um, but I'm not telling anyone to go do that. But if you do, you got to, again, definitely get some guidance. A lot of times, it'll be also get an estrogen blocker so that your testosterone's going up, you're getting the results you actually want, but then you're not getting that unnecessary or side effect of estrogen. So but that's the thing. These things need to all be put into place. Again, functional medicine doctors, very important. Uh, and it's a term that's not very well regulated. So I don't recommend all functional medicine practitioners. But if you guys want to, some recommendations, I've had some on my podcast. Um, Dr. Emily in Miami. I've had uh, Dr. Pam. She's not a doctor, not nurse practitioner. Pam. Uh, in Southern California. So they're functional medicine practitioners that I would recommend. I had a bunch back in New York City as well that I'm a big fan of. Uh, So if anyone needs those recommendations, I would definitely recommend if you have the resources, invest a little bit more, get them to understand how all those things come together. And we have homeostasis. Number four, food. Uh, Again, we theoretically, three meals a day, 21 meals a week, every single thing you're putting into your body. I'm having some kombucha here. I got a little coffee. So everything we're doing and putting into our body is having some effect on our hormones as well, whether it's again, bringing us up, bringing us down, starting to stimulate insulin, uh, things like that. So understanding timing, understanding all these aspects of food, phenomenal, important. And uh, to the other part too is, it is also going to uh, affect how much inflammation we have. So you can also be putting things into your body that are negatively affecting you. You can be putting and focusing on things that are positively impacting you. Again, it's very complicated. But we're trying to boil it down even in an hour podcast here. I feel like we barely scratched the surface on each of these topics. So food, very important, always <laughs> factoring that in. Uh, supplementation is another part of that that we can, we can dive into. So last one, fifth, resistance training to try to keep this under an hour. Thank you, Corona, is, uh, again, heavy lifting is the number one way to improve your testosterone. Again, I'll tell my story really quick since it's going to take us over the hour. But when I was competing really high in CrossFit, I did tank my – hormones in my body. And I, I needed seven cups of coffee just to even do like a set of pushups. When I would go into the gym, I was just very drained from going too much, too, too intense in the CrossFit competition. And so as I was recovering from this, and I went to an endocrinologist, my testosterone was in that very low range. I don't even know if I was below 200, but it was low for somebody who's trying to be active, who's trying to be virile, strong, all these words. So my response to that was my testosterone is low. Uh, I need to kind of rest, recover into what was talking about make sure I optimize my sleep. I did some supplements where I tried to get my hormones naturally to improve. Uh, licorice root extract is one of those things that can play with that cortisol and, again, all these different things. The term adrenal fatigue is something that we, again, didn't really dive into but is not the best term. So anyway, m- my main response, though, was to say I'm going to take my intensity down, but I did a 13-week squat cycle because I'm just going to do back squats. I'm going to go heavy. And even though there is some intensity there, it's, it's relatively low in the grand scheme of things. I'm not doing 60-minute crazy sweaty uh, beat down things where I'm like collapsed on the floor, but back squat, functional movement where I'm using a lot of my joints and a lot of my big muscles, that was the number one thing I implemented uh, on top of all these other uh, supplements and things like that. And lo and behold, after my 13-week cycle, I went to get my testosterone tested and it was significantly, it was almost too high to Faraz's point. It was on the very upper range of, uh, of, the, of where you want to be health-wise. But again, it was beyond optimized. So that's where I said, you know, this made a difference. So resistance training, I can speak from experience, I can speak from the science of it, is the number one way to boost your testosterone naturally.
2: Well, now that you made us all feel bad because you're so jacked, I'm just saying, story, and you know, Faraz, the only person who got six-pack here is Faraz.
0: And, and, and oh. let's not mention, he, he did also talk about that he's now, his tip to the other side, over a 1,000 now.
2: So yeah, he's a, he's a No, I said
1: I got close. I got close.
0: Uh,
2: that, was with that, be- in, that,
1: was, that was back in, like, 2015 anyway. Okay, well, funny.
2: with that being said, I first want to thank Hank Berger. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Truly, truly appreciate you, Hank, and you're welcome anytime. I'd also like to thank my main man, Faraz Javet, for making time. Um, Check them out on WXYZ in Detroit. And I also want to thank all of you for spending your time with us today. If you like the show, you can help us by writing a review, by liking, sharing, or subscribing to the Demand Better podcast. I'd also like to remind you that we are sponsored by Fit Care, physiotherapy and wellness, where the idea is to focus on your fitness so you can avoid the healthcare space. We will be back in two weeks. We missed you. We can't wait to see you. Faraz, thank you. Bo, great information. Y'all have a great day and have a great week and demand better. Woo.